Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Justice for All, the Wyatt Wright Show. I'm Wyatt Wright, and this show is about your rights and the laws that govern us. Rights you've heard about and care about and would certainly miss if they were gone. I spent half a lifetime watching government going from trying to do what's right and failing to trying to do what's wrong and succeeding. Every year, more and more of our personal rights are erased from the books while Americans stand idly by. And it's not because we don't care. Naturally, we care, but our lives are busy enough trying to feed our families and raise our kids. And while we're busying ourselves with life, the metaphorical water temperature is rising all around us. You've heard me say it before. It's like that frog who gets boiled without ever knowing it. On this show, ladies and gentlemen, we discuss legal issues that affect you and me, the people of Texas. We'll take a hard look at the laws that affect your freedom, your ability to access the courts, to vote, to speak freely, or in short, to live the American dream. Stick around. Today we'll be visiting with Austin criminal attorney Scott Smith to find out why bribes and destruction of evidence are apparently okay with the Texas Supreme Court, as long as big business is the one doing it. Let's dive right in and get wet. This morning, I would love to tell you all that things are getting better at the Texas Supreme Court. I keep thinking that one day I'm going to wake up and say, you know, we've got good news to talk about today, but it won't happen on this Sunday morning. It has gotten so bad up there in Austin that the justices feel they can get away with anything because we aren't taking notice. Well, they're wrong. We are taking notice, and we know their game plan. Give bailouts to big business at the expense of ordinary people. They don't care what the public thinks because they are the beneficiaries of the corporate money that continues to get them elected. What happened now, Wyatt? Well, I'm going to warn you. I'm going to warn you, ladies and gentlemen. You're going to be disgusted by what you're about to hear. We have all seen the huge increase in 18-wheeler traffic in Texas. You've seen it. I've seen it. They're passing us on the highways in record numbers and at record speeds. And collisions have gone up as well and way up. Thanks to a few things. Thanks to a few things, these collisions have gone way up, uh, such as, as an example, the federal government uh, during the Bush administration raising the number of hours that a truck driver can drive. Raised them up to 11 hours per day or 70 hours every eight days. Plus, truckers don't get paid overtime, so they get paid by the miles they drive, which is more of an incentive for, their to, for them to push on and stay on the road. Something else that caused it is Governor Rick Perry signing legislation in 2011, just last year, that raised the trucker speed limit on Texas highways from 65 to 70. So now all of the trucks on the highways, no matter how big and heavy they are, can barrel down through the center of a major city uh, on an interstate doing 70 miles an hour uh, right past all the small cars in their wake. Another reason is the shortage of truck drivers due to many factors. But one of, of the reasons are the huge fracking operations that are going on in South Texas. You've all heard about it. It's the Eagleford Shale. Uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a, uh, oil and gas boom down there. And this means that companies push drivers to drive more hours in the day so they can handle more. And oftentimes this is in violation of the law. In fact, preparing uh, for today, I spoke with a trucking company official who agreed to tell me privately that the companies really don't care because the chances of getting caught are so small. And if they do get caught, the fine is small compared to the profits that they make on each truck trip. We're going to talk more about that. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're just tuning in, this is Justice for All, the Wyatt Wright Show. 
the show we talk about the ever-increasing disappearance of our American rights. So I'm going to lay out some facts to you and ask you to assume that they are true. And I'll stop after each one and, 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 and ask if the trucking company should be held accountable in these situations. Now, this is you and me talking. This is, these are the, we're the people who drive on Texas's highways. We're the people who make up our juries. We're the people who decide what is reasonable and not reasonable on our highways. It's the people, not government. It's the people. So here are some facts. What if you've got a trucking company that is so eager to make profits? that it fails to perform standard maintenance on its 18-wheeler. And this results in completely worn-out brakes. I mean, utter negligence in taking care of the car, the truck. No maintenance. The brakes are completely out. And that 18-wheeler uh, uh, slams into a young girl because it can't stop. Liable? I think we'd all say yes. Now, what if the trucking company is so eager to make profits that it hires an unlicensed driver to drive its truck? And it slams into a young girl. Liable? I think we'd all say yes. What if an 18-wheeler blows completely through a stop sign, runs a stop sign, and slams into a young girl? Liable? Absolutely. What if the load that the 18-wheeler was carrying was far too much for the rig to handle, and it slams into a young girl? Liable? Absolutely. In fact, what if the case is that a wreck is so negligent that the truck owner and the driver plead guilty to aggravated assault with a deadly weapon? Liable? You bet, Wyatt. Hold those people liable. Each of those scenarios is something that we would not tolerate in the state of Texas. Now, what if you put all of those things together? A trucking company is so eager to make profits that it refuses to perform routine maintenance on truck brakes and then sends an unlicensed driver out on the truck to carry a load that it is too large to handle safely. The truck careens out of control, blows through a stop sign, and smashes into a 19-year-old girl's car, folding it in half like a crescent roll right around the driver's door. The truck owner and the driver are then convicted of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Liable? I venture to say there's nobody in this state who wouldn't agree with me that that company ought to be liable in that situation. The truck company should pay for the damages it caused. Now, what if, ladies and gentlemen, the evidence showed that at the time of the collision, the truck owner was engaged in a joint business with the equipment yard it had just left. Both the equipment yard and the truck owner were responsible for the truck's maintenance the size load it was carrying, the driver of the truck, etc. You'd agree with me that the equipment yard and the owner bear equal responsibility for the damages caused, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's easy. Two people in charge, they both bear the responsibility. But it gets worse. What if the equipment yard decided it wanted some sort of insurance, so to speak, against getting in trouble. So it decided to hide and destroy evidence. Would that make you mad? What if, immediately after a lawsuit was filed, the equipment yard paid the truck owner $96,000, and he then set fire to and burned all of his business records that would have shown the hours that the truck was driven? What if the truck owner then took the oversized oil rig to a scrapyard and had it cut up and destroyed before it could be used as evidence of the negligence? 
What if, as soon as the truck was destroyed, the equipment yard paid 60000 of uh, of those dollars to the truck owner? Liable? Heck yes. And I bet you're jumping up and down right now saying, not only would they be liable, we'd throw the book at them. We don't want that kind of behavior in Texas. Own up to what you did and let the truth come out. But you have just heard the allegations as to what happened after that truck slammed into 19-year-old Michelle Gaines of Tyler, Texas. Now, let me tell you what happened to Michelle. Michelle was the prom queen at Palestine High School. She had just accepted a scholar a soccer scholarship to Hill College out in Hillsborough. She had her pelvis broken, a punctured lung, had a portion of her brain sheared off, and was in a coma for six months. Her severe brain injury continued, ladies and gentlemen, and she was in and out of hospitals and rehab centers for another eight months. Today she's 26, and she has the mental maturity of a 12-year-old. She has no short-term memory, She can't remember where she was sitting if she goes to the restroom in a restaurant. And she has no peripheral vision. She'll never be able to live on her own again. And after hearing this story of negligence, cover-up, bribes, and destruction of evidence, a Tyler, Texas jury awarded Michelle $8 million. Is that a lot of money? Good grief. If Michelle lives to be 80 years old, that's only $130,000 a year. And she can't live alone to cover all of her medical treatment, her pain, her lost opportunities, help, inpatient care, medical treatment, et cetera, $130,000 a year. That's what she sold it for. That sounds like a horrible deal to me. But nevertheless, it was something, and it was what Michelle had to rely on to get her through the rest of her now destroyed life. But the Tyler Court of Appeals threw out the award by saying that the evidence against the equipment yard was circumstantial. Of course it was circumstantial. They burned all the records. Juries, ladies and gentlemen, are allowed to arrive at decisions based on circumstantial evidence. It's done all the time. Heck, we allow people to be convicted of crimes and sent to prison based on circumstantial evidence. But now we're being told that it's not enough when it comes to dealing with deceitful trucking companies. Well, surely the Texas Supreme Court couldn't let this stand, right? Wrong. The high court said that the court of appeals did it right, and they refused to hear the case. If ever there was a case that needs overturning, it is this one. This Supreme Court is always there when it comes time to bail out a big corporation, but where are they when a 19-year-old Texan girl needs their help? A, A real, live person. They're nowhere around. That's just despicable. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Justice for All, the Wyatt Wright Show. We're pointing out and discussing the disappearance of our American rights. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it will be the taxpayers who have to foot Michelle's medical bills instead of the group that caused them. Michelle will now live the rest of her life on about $700 per month in Social Security disability benefits that guess who pays for? You and me, the taxpayers, instead of the people responsible. And before we bring our guest out, ladies and gentlemen, I want to point out, I'm not asking you to believe that all lawsuits are good or that all lawsuits are bad. I'm asking if you agree that each case must stand on its own merits. If the facts are bad, throw it out. But if harm has been caused and the facts support it, let justice be served. That is what a jury does. They do it every day across America, and we owe our liberty to their work. Why, then... 
Why then does the Texas Supreme Court make such a habit of overturning jury verdicts? In just one year, the high court allowed big business defendants to win 87% of the time. There's nothing impartial about that. Do you agree? Ladies and gentlemen, to help us discuss this topic, joining us today is attorney Scott Smith. He's a trial lawyer based in Austin, Texas, where he's focused on criminal defense law. He's handled thousands of cases from thefts and assaults to fraud and embezzlement. Mr. Smith studied law at the University of Texas Law School and is certified as a specialist in criminal law by the Texas Board of Legal Specialization. He's also a charter member and past director of the Austin Criminal Defense Lawyers Association and has been recognized as one of the best lawyers in America. In short, Mr. Smith knows what he's talking about, and he's joining us today on the phone. Uh, Scott Smith, thank you for joining us on the White Wyatt Wright Show today. It's my pleasure. Yeah. Now, Mr. Smith, this case, which you're familiar with, in fact, you were quoted in the Texas Tribune, uh, but this this case in, involving Michelle Gaines has has been widely covered uh, from the Houston Chronicle to the Tribune to the New York Times. Why is this case, Mr. Smith, such a headline maker in your opinion? Well, I think it's an important case for a number of reasons. I mean, the first one I have to say is, is for Michelle Gaines. This is a young woman whose life was taken away from her, the life that she was entitled to, a totally innocent victim. Right. And a person situated like any of us, just minding her own business, driving down the road. You can't have a more innocent person than her. And the damages were enormous. So, I mean, I, I think you have to start from that. Sure. This is, this is about people. Um, but what's what goes beyond that is it's not just about one person. It's about all of us, because any one of us could be on the road. I don't know anybody who doesn't drive on the roads. Right. And any one of us could have been minding our own business and then run into the same way she was. Yeah, and we've seen these we've seen these big trucks now. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I think that they're increasing in number. I mean, they are oh, yeah. everywhere on our highways now. Absolutely. So that, I think, is the first draw. But then when you get to something a little bit harder for, um, harder to see is when you see, when you, when you look at what the court actually said, the court that overturned the verdict. Uh As you already said, the jury, the jury who were 12 normal people who heard the evidence found liability and they found damages of $8 million approximately. And that's without any kind of punitive damages. That's actual damages. Yeah. They decided that she was entitled to be paid by the trucking company. And and then when the appeals court took it away from her, they explained it by saying, well, this was just circumstantial evidence. We don't have clear evidence of this. Well, that's, that, that makes that makes no sense. Makes no sense. And, and in fact, in one no. interview, I, I recall you saying in, in an interview that uh, this case sets a double standard for criminal and civil cases. Would you explain that to us so we understand what you mean by that double standard in, in these cases? Absolutely. Um, as you, you know, I, I practice criminal defense. I, I practice criminal law. And I can't tell you the number of cases I've started off with uh, where, where we started a trial and the prosecutor correctly cites the law saying, ladies and gentlemen, we do not have an eyewitness in this case. We do not have concrete proof in this case, but we have strong circumstantial evidence. And they go on to explain, and I think fairly, because prosecutors have a legitimate job to do, and they go on to explain to juries, look, if the only time you could get justice was when you had an eyewitness, hardly ever would you have real justice. You're very and right. That, and if that was the only time we could protect society, 
well, society would not be protected, not against criminals and also not against negligent trucking companies. Absolutely. So what I think draws attention to this case is the double standard set up by the appeal court that says, well, here we don't have concrete evidence. We just have this circumstantial evidence, and therefore we're not going to let this verdict stand. There's a couple things wrong with that. Uh, One thing that's wrong with it on its face is this is not just circumstantial evidence. This is very troubling. It's troubling. Very strong and troubling circumstantial evidence. Right, and they pled guilty to aggravated assault. They, They certainly did. Now, the, 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 the part that gets interesting is what about that tr- the, the, the money that's being hidden in the background, the trucking company that's trying to protect its assets, right. do business on the, you know, what, what happens when businesses are trying to do business cheaply, not following the rules that are set up for safety and protection, and then try to protect themselves by loopholes and hiding things in, in the background. Now, in this case, that's what was alleged have gone on, and the jury heard evidence about this, yes, circumstantial evidence, but about the trucking company doing things like paying over $95,000 to one of the key witnesses. That's just amazing. Brought forward to try to get them out of trouble, and and the same person who helped destroy the evidence before the other side could be able to inspect it. You know, that's not just troubling. That is criminal. It is against the law to, to commit perjury. It's against the law to tamper with witnesses. It's against the law to hide evidence. Right. All of this, these are not, these are also criminal accusations. Sure, sure. And, and, you know, even in the civil context, we have this concept, uh, that, th- that's called spoliation, which, mm-hmm. which, which in, in many instances can mean, and this has been eviscerated over time too, but basically means that if somebody goes out and destroys evidence so that it cannot be used or discovered in a trial, then that evidence must be presumed to have been, uh, detrimental to that party. And, and it seems to me that we're not only talking about circumstantial evidence in this case, which which by itself appeared more than substantial to allow the jury to decide that they committed these acts. But even more importantly, that that they should have been allowed to say and even if we needed to, which we don't need to, we can infer that the evidence they destroyed would have would have. Put them further down the sink. And they Absolutely. didn't even get the chance to do that, and that makes that decision even more troubling. It, there's, and then when you compare that to the standards that's set up in the criminal cases, we have cases all the time in criminal courts that are based on circumstantial evidence. People are prosecuted for offenses based on circumstantial evidence anywhere from DWI all the way up to Homicide. So people could go to jail and lose their liberty, which is the the very pinnacle of the freedoms that we have in America, can lose their liberty without an eyewitness account. Is that what you're telling us? Absolutely. Okay, and it's done all the time, and we put people behind bars. Why then does it seem to make sense to some people, if you can shed light on it, I don't know if you can, why then does it make sense to some people to have such a higher standard in a civil context when we're not talking about putting somebody behind bars? Well, for, for people like me and, and you and anybody who's gone to law school, it cannot make any sense. Sure. It makes no sense because we learn one of the basic things, which you don't have to go to law school to know. The basic thing is when you're t- putting, taking somebody's liberty away from them, you provide the highest level of protection. Correct. 
And with the highest level of protection, circumstantial evidence is okay. So why would it not be okay in a lower level of protection? It, it makes no sense. Right. It doesn't. I mean, when you just look at the law, it doesn't. And that's what I think is really disturbing because we want our courts to make sense. We want there to be a set of rules that's fairly applied across the board to everybody, rich and poor. It should not matter what your color is, what your religion is. You've got rules you have to obey. You have obligations you have to fulfill. And if you don't do it, it doesn't matter There's how much consequences. money you have. That's right. right. And that's you know, what we want. And we've had that's and, and here we are in Texas, and we've had this discussion before on this show, and we've pointed out that in many respects it's like the speed limit. The speed limit has to apply to everybody. It has to be uniform, and you have to have an enforcement mechanism. That enforcement mechanism in the case of speeding is the police. Without the police, the speed limit means nothing. And without the judicial system and the courts to enforce uh, uh, measures against those who who conduct themselves badly like this, then what in the world does justice mean? And that's what's bothering me. Here's my question. Do we now have to worry? I'm worried about the message that we're sending. Do we have to worry about trucking companies now hiding evidence and and paying bribes because the message we're sending to them is that this is perfectly condoned behavior? You bet. You bet. And, And it goes even worse than that. You have to worry about more than just this. Because not just trucking companies, other things. If it, and if if the if the big business wins, despite the rules, I mean, there's no end to the number of problems we can have right. as a result of you bet. I mean, the message is really very problematic. Yeah, and and this re- this refusal is sending that loud message we just talked about. And basically, I think to sum it up, it says if you get involved in some circumstance, in this case it's a wreck, feel free to destroy the evidence because you can't be convicted on mere circumstantial evidence. My problem here, besides the outcome in this individual case, is that the message, and we're repeating ourselves, but the message to civilized society is wrong. This is the wrong message to send to people if you want them to act accountably for their actions. You see it in the criminal system. Why don't we have that in the civil system as well? Scott, how do, how do I explain this ruling to my kids? I mean, it's bad enough that I've got to explain the bad acts of criminals to them. I mean, they sit around watching TV and say, why did that guy hurt that lady? That's not a very nice thing to do. How do you explain to them that this type of behavior goes on if we don't have a judicial system in place to slap the hands of the offenders? Uh, you know what? I, I don't know. I, I, I would hope the Supreme Court has one chance left okay. to do something about this. Uh, as I understand it, a motion for rehearing has been filed. Right. There has been a request to ask the Supreme Court to please sit down and look at this. And rethink just it. Just look sure. at it. And, and, just, and just spend some time and hear it out. Because what they've done so far is to say, well, we're not going to we're not going to, to take this matter up. We're going to let this one just be. Right, and the people and they, that, that follow the Texas Supreme Court have probably noticed that in even obscure cases where there's a big verdict against a, a, a truck or against uh, some big corporate entity, they take it up on appeal. But in this case, it's almost like they're passing the buck and letting the Court of Appeals do their dirty work so that they don't have to hear it and then reach the same conclusion for their for their uh, the, the cronies who put them in office. It, it sure feels like that. And, you know, I would hope that we'd have a better system than that. But I, if things stand the way they are, I don't know how, how there can be respect for this. I don't, right. it's, it, you know, people, we, we vote people into office and give them 
a job to do, a very important job. And, and it applies to all, I mean, protects, we all need it to be able to live our lives out freely. And so my, I would hope that they would spend some time and rethink this and give this case a fair hearing. Well, if I they hope, don't, yeah. I don't know how you explain it. Well, you're right, and, and that's really where it, what it boils down to is whether or not they feel like uh, uh, they can address this situation in a logical fashion. I can't imagine uh, any court looking at this who who actually is made up of human beings, and that's a horrible thing to say, and and actually reach the outcome that the Tyler Court of Appeals did. So the Texas Supreme Court is probably thinking that this is a political hot potato, and they're better off uh, leaving it alone. And that is a shame not only for Ms. Gaines, but for all of Texas as well. Now, can you give us any examples uh, of a situation I'm thinking about, and I want to get back to this circumstantial evidence thing in the time we have remaining. Are there any examples out there of people who've been convicted of, of circumstantial evidence with circumstantial evidence oh, there are, that, there are, are, that are doing horrible t- sentences, maybe even that they weren't justified? I don't know. Well, there, there's a multitude of, of situations where this come up. I mean, a, a very, I mean, let's just take a, a, a simple one, DWI. Sure. And uh, hypothetically, let's say there's a car accident and um, damage is caused and it, it's Let's say it's a one-car accident, and somebody could have been hurt really badly, or maybe somebody was. And then there's somebody who is stumbling around in the road, walking or running away from the car with alcohol in the breath, pretty intoxicated. It turns out that the car is registered to them. Nobody has seen them get out of the car, but they're running away from it. The car is registered to them. You know, these are all examples of circumstantial evidence. Yeah, it and in, in a situation like that, absolutely, that would be sufficient. You know, in, in that case, prosecutors would proceed forward and say, yeah, we don't have uh, an eyewitness to this, but ladies and gentlemen, we need to protect you from this kind of crime. We absolutely. need to prosecute it. You know, we're running out of time, Scott. I want to I want to take the time to thank you uh, for joining us today on the Wyatt Wright Show. Your, your insights have been very helpful to us. You have a wonderful day. It's my pleasure, and um, it, I enjoyed speaking with you. You betcha. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Scott Smith is a trial lawyer in Austin, Texas. Uh, he's been with us today visiting about this issue, about the Gaines case, uh, that the Texas Supreme Court has refused to hear the case of this girl who was tragically injured uh, in getting rid of her, her jury verdict in the process. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have to wrap up this show, but as you go through your week, I want you to remember that it was Justice Learned Hand who so famously said, if we are to keep our democracy, there must be one commandment. Thou shalt not ration justice. Have a good day, everybody. Come back and visit us next week or go see us on the web at wyattwrightshow.com. Like us on Facebook or join our podcast. See you next week on The Wyatt Wright Show. Bye.